Welcome to America's Heroes Group podcast with information and resources that's disseminated intentionally to empower our military population with host Vietnam veteran Cliff Kelly, co-host Iraq veteran Colonel Dr. Damon Arnold, and co-host Army National Guard veteran Sean Claiborne. And now, America's Heroes Group podcast. Good afternoon, good afternoon. Welcome to America's Heroes Group on WVON 1690 AM, the talk of Chicago. I am Vietnam veteran host Cliff Kelly. America's Heroes Group is a live streaming podcast, global platform, radio, print, and digital media broadcast show that empowers change agents through intentionally disseminating information, resources, and referrals to empower our military population. And welcome to America's Heroes Group, our roundtable and our partner, Katz Melenik. Today is Saturday, December 17, 2022, December's AIDS Awareness and National Human Rights Month. Our host is Cliff Kelly. I'm Sean Clemmer, the co-host. Our executive producer is Glenda Smith. No digital media producer is Ivan Ortega of Scouts Honor Productions. And we have our partner on the line today. We've had him on our show a few times in the past. And we're going to talk about some things important to you. He's the CPA and president and founder of Katz Melenik Incorporated. <laughs> and a military family member. We're going to talk about tax planning preparation for 2023 and also some helpful hints and things you're thinking about now to the end of the year, wrapping up, getting ready for tax time, tax season is upon us. How are you doing, Mr. Malenik? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing all right. Um, definitely uh, want to share with you listeners, uh, you know, some important information we got to talk about. It's time. It's a great time to plan for your taxes and, uh, Tax filing season is right around the corner, so uh, a lot to talk about. Yeah, the thing is, like, a lot of people don't think about planning for taxes. Usually when we think about taxes, we think of it at the end of the tax season, when reality is we can probably do a little better if we think about our taxes ahead of time. So not thinking about what's when you're going to file your taxes in, in, in February or April, some people in January, but what are you going to do in January to prepare you for the next year? So thinking about 2023, give us some helpful hints of what we can do to prepare for really what we're talking about is 2024. Well, even in December right now, you still got some time to plan for uh, 2023, which is the 2022 filing season. Um, And one of the things I would say is really big is you need to, if you are someone who is a business, and that includes everyone in the gig economy, by the way, so if you're driving Uber, Lyft, Instacart, um, what have you, if you're you're doing any of those things, you are, in fact, a business. They just didn't tell you that. So if you're operating under your Social Security number, that's typically about the worst way you can possibly operate. Um Consider incorporating. Consider uh, what would be the best tax structure for you. In most cases, that's going to be an S-corporation because it's going to eliminate the self-employment tax that you would have as a uh, self-employed individual operating under your Social Security number. Um, It also eliminates any sort of corporate-level tax. So uh, if, if that's something you need help with, Definitely, you can give us a call, 708-914-8220. We can help you out with that. Um, and there, there's also, if you are in business, 
Another thing you want to consider at this time of year is whether or not you're going to purchase any new items, um, especially this year. 100% bonus depreciation is actually expiring at the end of this year. So if you want to participate in 100% bonus depreciation, you have to buy it by the end of the year to be able to get that deduction. It's not going to be available next year. Next year it goes down to 80. You're after that down to 60, then 40, then 20. Wow. So tell us some other things. So what are some of the things that people oftentimes overlook when they're filing their taxes or trying to get some deductions at the last minute? Um, so we got you talked about some things we can do in December. So to December 31st, so most of the things you can do are pretty much expired. But what are some things that – is there anything you can do after December 31st that might affect your 2022 uh, taxes when you file in 2023? Um, there actually are a couple of things. Um they're mostly geared toward uh, saving. Um, the IRS allows you as an individual to contribute to an individual retirement account and a health savings account up until April 15th of the following year and have account for a prior year contribution. So if you have a high deductible health plan and you haven't opened up a health savings account, and you go into your tax filing next year and you don't like what the numbers are, if you have some money that you can throw into a health savings account, you could do that. Also, if you have, if, if you have some money that you could throw into a retirement account, you could put that in there as well. Both of those become tax deductible, um, and then therefore you pay less in taxes because you have less taxable income when you go to file your tax return. And then there isn't there another um, tax uh, benefit there for some certain people that make under a certain amount of income, if they put money into an IRA, do they get a, a like a special savings or a special credit? Something there, to- there is a, there's a, there's a non-refundable t- uh, retirement savings tax credit. Um, you can get up to, I believe $2,000 per person. Mm-hmm. So on a married filing joint return, you could get up to $4,000. Um, Typically, that's going to require a little bit of planning because you have to be fairly low income to qualify for that credit. But if you are someone who's relatively low income and you do contribute to a retirement account, you are eligible for that credit up to $2,000 per person. Now, I'm going to switch gears a little bit, um, but similar on the same topic, though. I noticed that you have, uh, you have are you suffering from a cold? If, like I found said, you're a little bit under the weather. Um, yeah, I, so I've, I got a, I got a cold earlier in the week. I'm getting over it. Um, my voice is always the last thing to recover. So no, that's good. The thing, the one thing on the same similar topic, but I know you're going to be in good spirits and know that you're in, you're going to be in good health and know you're going to recover. But unfortunately we've had a lot of issues with the pandemic and that has changed some things. Are there any? Some of the things are still. Are there anything still left over for uh, tax credits or things where having to do with the pandemic in twenty twenty two? So once again, this is going to be an area where businesses are going to definitely um, see most of the benefits. Um, there, there are two things you can do. First off, if you were a self employed individual at that time, you filed a Schedule C. Um, there is a uh, there's a tax credit that you can claim. Um, that's up to $511 per day um, of days that you did not work. You have to have had um, income in the prior year 
and then the income decreases in the following year, you're able to get a tax credit based on that up to $511 per day, and it's just a fully refundable credit. So I've seen people get uh, $15,000, $20,000 refunds with that. And then the other big thing that's out there right now is uh, if you are an employer who ran payroll in the second quarter of 2020 through the third quarter of 2021, in some cases the fourth quarter of 2021, but mostly for most employers it's going to be second quarter of 2020 through third quarter of 2021. If you are one of those employers that has run payroll, you are el- you could be eligible for uh, something called the employee retention credit, which you can get up to $26,000 per employee. Um, it's a, the, the maximum is 10000 per year in 2020, and you get a 50% credit, so you get a maximum of $5,000 credit per employee in 2020. And then in 2021, they made it a maximum of 10000 per quarter for the first three quarters, um, and then the, the credit limit went from 50 to 70%. So instead of a $5,000 credit, you get $7,000 credit per quarter for a total of a maximum of 21000 per employee that you can qualify for. So these are things that are really, really important to know, particularly for small business owners. And a lot of people probably have not even considered these things or even talked about these things. Um, do you find a lot of small businesses don't have a, a trusted advisor in the tax realm? Because when you're planning a business, I think it's so important to have a CPA in your back pocket, to have a relationship with a CPA, to make sure that you get the information that you're describing today. Because these are things that this, it's not like you just pull open a, you know, the Wall Street Journal and they're just going to tell you exactly what to do with your business. You have to apply the knowledge and do it in the, in the correct way. Absolutely. That's that's incredibly important. Um, I, I'm, a, I'm a huge advocate of find the right person for you. Now, that could be us. If it is, give us a call, 708-914-8220. That could not be us. But, you know, it's, it's important if you're starting a business, um, it's very important to find that person that, that you trust to guide you through the process of starting your business, getting you set up on the right path and helping you along the way and figuring out how you grow your business. And typically that's going to be done through, um, you, you do, you, you take and you get the financial statements. You're only going to be able to do that through doing a regular bookkeeping and getting those financial statements and then analyzing those financial statements and figuring out the decisions you need to make to grow your business based on what those numbers are telling you. And um, again, that's that's another place where that key trusted advisor is going to be very important for you to be able to help you take your business to the next step. Um, when do you when do you uh, decide to expand? When do you go for this line of credit? When how do you how do you do this thing? Um, you know, these are all key decisions that you have to be able to make as a business owner. And it's a lot easier to make those decisions when you know your numbers. And so it's very important to do that. And also when, when you know your numbers, you're also able to plan for your taxes. And so that brings us right back to the first point, which was talking about planning the taxes. Um, if, if, you're at, if you're at this point of the year and, and you don't know where you're at with your tax situation, you need to make sure you know that you've got enough paid in so that come – Come April 15th, you're not going to be getting a big tax bill. If, you, if you've got your numbers and you know what your numbers are, you can reasonably project how much you're going to make for the year 
and that will allow you to figure out how much you need to pay in. Um, sometimes you do need to pay in, and when you need to pay in, we, you can figure out what needs to be paid in, and that way you don't have to sit there on April 15th trying to figure out, how am I going to come up with fifteen, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 that I didn't even know I was going to have to owe? Right. And I think that's so important, like we talked about in the beginning of the show, make sure you start planning. So for the late starters or the or the people that maybe procrastinated, reach out, make a relationship with the, with the trusted CPA. The CPAs are so critical for small business, particularly even high net worth individuals, even if you don't necessarily own a business, but you're a high net worth individual. Make sure you have a CPA who is answering your tax questions and help you and help guide you to keep Uncle Sam out of your back pocket. That's so important. It's critical. Absolutely, it is. Uh, absolutely, because even even like you mentioned, high net worth people. Uh, one one thing a lot of people want to do nowadays is take traditional IRAs and convert them to Roth IRAs. Well, how do you do that? Well, one way you could do it is that you take the entire amount of money and just slap it over to the other account, and you're going to pay a boatload of taxes doing that. Mm-hmm. Right. The smarter way to do that is if you go and you find someone who can help you plan out, okay, well, what's the, what's, what's the most amount we can take out that's not going to put you into a new tax bracket? And then let's take that amount out, and then you'll pay that percentage of tax on that amount, and you put the rest in the Roth, and we keep doing that year over year over year until you've got the whole thing migrated over. And that way you probably save yourself Fifteen to twenty percent in taxes. Oh my God! I mean, you're preaching to the choir here, man. I mean, <laughs> that is something that that is you just gave that 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 right there. We owe you a bill. I think the United States owes you a bill for giving that information now over the over, over social media and over the radio. I think that that is so important. I mean, you hit it. I think the nail on the head is so if you plan ahead and do these types of things, you save so much money. So stop thinking about taxes. We tend to think about taxes as what we do at the end of the year. But when we start planning ahead, the world is wholly different. Now, ask, now, now, riddle me this. So what is the difference between a CPA versus an enrolled agent? So um, both are authorized to practice before the Internal Revenue Service. That is, that is a key thing. And um, that is an important thing because uh, if, if the IRS comes knocking and you have – someone like me as your power of attorney they don't knock on your door they call me and that that can be huge for a business owner or for anyone i mean first off you don't have to deal with the scare of oh my god the irs just showed up at my office and secondly um we can get information from them before they start getting information from you and that can make a huge difference because the IRS is trained to trick people and trip people up and get people to give them information that they shouldn't necessarily give them. For example, you know where you bank. I don't know where you bank. Hmm. Um, and that's just that's just one small example of information that they'll try to get out of you that um, that can cause you a lot of problems. Now, you asked what the difference between a CPA and enrolled agent well, an enrolled agent can also practice before the IRS. The difference for a CPA, a CPA can also audit financial statements and sign those financial statements 
as audited and and certify them as audited. Um, an enrolled agent is not allowed to do that. Um, other than that, I mean, mostly they're going to be they're going to be doing a lot of similar work, especially if they're in the tax field. If they're in the tax field, they're almost identical. Hmm. It seems like for if I were a small business, because I've heard they had this question posted to me a few times, but as a small business, I think I would lean toward the CPA yet still because of some of the things that you mentioned. Well, so so here's the thing. CPA, EA, attorney, it doesn't really matter which way it goes. The point is you want to get someone that you trust and that you know knows what they're doing because I, I don't care what letters they have behind their name. I mean, don't get me wrong. I like that I have a CPA. I am very grateful that I have a CPA, and I I, I, I use it to the fullest extent that I can. Yeah, you worked hard but to get it. Something same, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. But at the same time, um, not all CPAs are created equal. So you don't go to the foot doctor to get your head fixed, right? Mm-hmm. So um, similarly... You need to make sure that the CPA that you pick understands your business because I can tell you there's a lot of people out there with the letters CPA behind their name that they're they're just going to check the boxes and fill out the forms and, and say what you owe according to the government, and that's it. They're not going to help you plan. They're not going to help you be that trusted advisor and guide you and help you grow your business and take your business to the next level. That's what we want to do at Cats Melanic. Give us a call. 708-914-8220. Wow, it's really critical. I think you brought up some really important points. Now, on the same topic of illnesses and what's happened since the pandemic, God, I mean, God, you know, help us all, but we've overcome a lot of that. However, in the aftermath, we've we've lost a lot of people in the last few years since the pandemic has hit. Um, the death toll was the highest it's been in, I think, over a century in 2020. Um and we still have a lot of people that are that are passing on from from the the residents. Over ten million now, right? Yeah, yeah. So the thing is, is that you know people are, are receiving inherited funds. They're so getting a lot of money that's being rolled over from IRAs to them. They're inheriting these things or inheriting assets. But a lot of people are confused about what they pay taxes on and what they don't pay taxes on. We talk about annuities. We talk about IRAs. We talk about just cash and stocks and bonds and things like that, stepped-up cost bases, all this stuff. Can you kind of give us a quick rundown as what they need to think about if they're inheriting funds or inheriting an estate, uh, what they need to think about when they plan for their taxes? Yeah, so um, first off, so there's actually there's actually two factors here, Okay. Um, the first one is the one that everyone thinks of, which is the the big scary uh, um, inheritance tax form. I think it's called a 706. It might be a 709. It's one of the two. The other one's the gift tax form. Um, <clears throat> so the inheritance tax form is the one. If you have assets over $11 million, you pay taxes on the overage of the $11 million. Um, or in, in the case of married couples, $22 million. Um, now, life insurance proceeds are the only thing that I'm aware of that are actually excluded from that from that portion of things. Mm-hmm. So if you have life insurance proceeds, that's just completely not taxable. You just get that. Um, but everything else is subject to an $11 million or $22 million asset threshold. After that, you pay inheritance tax on it. What most people don't think about, though, because they don't typically have to deal with that. Most people don't have to deal with the, an $11 million threshold or anything like that. 
when they find out it's $11 million, they're like, oh, well, there's no way it's going to exceed that, so everything's good. Well, not so fast, because let's say Dad's house was, uh, was, was, was left to you, and now you have to rent it, and you rent it out for six months, and then you sell it. Okay, well, that house generated over $600 of income now. So now you have to file a trust, an estate income tax return, a form 1041. You also have to make sure that the um, the final year return of the decedent is filed. So, for example, if somebody dies this year, you have to file a 2022 tax return for them. If they die in January, you have to file a 2023 tax return for them, unless they don't have a filing requirement because of income limitations. Um, so, but if you if you then inherit assets that that produce income. You then have to uh, make sure you pay the estate income tax return. You have to make sure you file the estate income tax return. And uh, typically, you're going to want to send the proceeds through to the uh, individuals on a K-1 because otherwise you're going to be paying trust tax rates, and those are the highest tax rates in the country. You're not lying. So they give us some great information. I wish I could ask you some more questions. Got tons of stuff I wanted to get into. Um, we'll save that for next time. Uh, keep this in your back pocket. Next time when you come back, I'm going to ask you the question about when you inherit assets in that same, that same, that same conversation. When you inherit assets, when do they use the date of receiving the asset? Because this is an important question. The date the person passed away versus the date that you actually received. And give that answer real quick. It's the date of the death of the decedent. All right, perfect. There we go. And so there we go. So Kath Malenik. CPA, president and founder of the Katz Millennium Incorporated and a military family member. We appreciate your time and all the things you've given us today. Always a pleasure. Thanks for having me on. This is America's Heroes Group. We'll be right back. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit americashg.org.